Hey there, this is the Penny on Your Thoughts podcast, and I am your host, Penny Chason. I'm a board-certified hypnotist, intuitive, and experiencer. This podcast is about tapping into your subconscious to create a more aligned and abundant life. By leveraging our subconscious, we can master our thoughts, frequency, and vibration. Fusing the conscious, subconscious, and our consciousness is the science of expansion and soul satisfaction. Each week, I'll share in-depth interviews or solo episodes. This podcast was created to share how you have the power to create infinite potential within you. It's my intention that you find this podcast empowering, inspiring, and full of possibility. Now grab your favorite beverage and let's go. Here with Natalie now, we are just going to dive right in. Uh, Natalie, I think I've known you for about a year. We've been internet connections. We relate um, on a lot of different things. I would love for you to start out by telling people a little bit about your journey, because I don't think you were always an entrepreneur, were you? No, no, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. An accidental entrepreneur. How does that happen? <laughs> I ask myself that often. Okay. Um, you know what? Unapologetic wealth was birthed out of necessity, I think. And I don't think it was my necessity. I think it's the world's necessity. I was a very happy corporate cog. Um, I really am a fan of sameness. And I'm pretty risk averse. And those are not qualities that typically make a good entrepreneur at all. So, um, but the pandemic hit and I wasn't able to do financial literacy um, speeches out in the community like I had become accustomed to. I wasn't able to work my part-time job. I got laid off. I was working two jobs to pay my student loans because that's a fun thing to do. And my full-time job went from 40 hours a week to 20 hours a week to 10 hours a week because of the shutdown immediately with COVID. So I found myself with a lot of time. I found myself going from working 70 hours a week to 10 or 20 hours a week. And it gave me a lot of time to reflect on how I saw my life being. I didn't like what I was getting paid, even though I liked the work that I did. I didn't like serving the public because sometimes the public is racist. And I am always black. So there's that, <laughs> you know? So I said, you know, maybe I could do this myself. Maybe I could be a money coach. I'm already a personal banker. I'm already a junior brokerage associate. I already have securities licenses. How hard could it be, right? It's the same thing I'm already doing. And it's just evolved into something really interesting. You know, as a money coach, I realized that people don't have a discipline problem. They had a money problem. They didn't earn enough money for the budget to work. It wasn't, I want to overspend. It's my bills are 3000 and I make 2000. So every month I've got to juggle who's not going to get paid. And then I said, you know, I'm going to move my niche. I'm going to only serve entrepreneurs. And they were broke too. And that just baffled me because in my opinion, my very naive opinion, you go into business to make more money. That's the whole point. So meeting broke entrepreneurs was so shocking. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have money 
to put in a brokerage account? What do you mean you don't have money to invest in your business? What do you mean you don't have money to send your kids to private school? And why are you in business for yourself if you're doing worse than you were doing in corporate financially? And it's because they weren't selling enough. So I decided that maybe all the years of corporate sales training were actually going to benefit me somehow. And um, I became a sales coach and the rest is history. I think there's a lot in there. I, I would like to start with this. How did you get into financial literacy? Like what was, what was the seed for that? Um, I had always been a money person and had always wanted to work at the bank. I worked at direct TV and outside sales. I worked at Verizon wireless and inbound sales and um, finally applied at Wells Fargo and got the job. And they actually had a program where they would pay you for 16 hours a year for community service. And I was at some event and the speaker fell ill and they asked if anybody was willing to do the presentation. The presentation was already there and queued up, but I had never seen it. But I decided that if no one else was going to do it, that I would do it. And I decided I really liked it and was good at it. And so I spent every year doing my 16 hours they paid for and probably another 50 hours that they didn't. That's just shows that you're an expert in what you do. When there's a presentation <laughs> queued up and you can say, you know what? And, and that's confidence to the nth degree. Say, well, I'll get up and I'll do my best and let's see where this goes and, much. and to crush it. One benefit that entrepreneurship definitely has is that we can choose who we work with. We can choose who helps us to feel good, who helps us feel empowered, and those that have beliefs that we want to support and elevate. And you said something that's very important, and you talked about the racism that exists. And I totally agree with that. I did not understand, even though I've always considered myself what's now called an ally, I did not truly understand what white privilege was until an event that happened back in 27, 2018. I'm not going to bring it up because I don't want to re-traumatize people. I understand that's a very real thing that happens. But there, there was this stone cold moment where I stopped and I'm like, you know what? I never had those daily concerns about my three white sons. These thoughts never had to cross my mind. And so I really began to, to take a look. And, you know, as time goes, I recognize more and more little things because I always talk about identity. I always talk about our family history, our church history, our community history, and how there are things that we take on as truth that aren't truth, that we think it's our reality and it's not. So I think that's one of the benefits of entrepreneurship and who do, I mean, who do you love to empower? Who do you love to support and what it is that, that you do? Because I don't get the feeling that you reflect those sentiments back out into the world that you may have encountered when you were in corporate. You know what? I am always going to reach out to persons of color first. Because we are so disadvantaged when it comes to business. However, um, 
I help all women and non-binary persons. I have quite a few um, of those in my client roster as well. I think it's really a big thing for me to serve world changers. So I'm really interested in people who have a big idea, a big plan, a big vision, and they know it's going to take a budget and big action and risk to get there and serve those persons. That is my objective. And so often those people get pushed down because they don't have the budget. Venture capital funds don't get given to Black women. I think less than 1% of 1% of all venture capital funds go to Black women run businesses. So when we start businesses, we're doing it on our own savings, on our own personal credit cards, and hoping that we can stay in business long enough to generate a profit. You know, I don't gamble, but it's similar to pulling the handle on a slot machine. Every machine in a casino is programmed to hit or win at a certain interval. The problem is most people run out of courage or run out of money before they can get to that point. My goal is to intercept entrepreneurs before they either run out of courage or run out of money to get this thing up to the million dollar point. And that's my goal for my clients is a million dollars in annual revenue. Yeah, I, I think that the courage is a big thing. Um, mm-hmm. our, our minds can get in the way. We deal with all of the fears. And you and I mentioned a few of those before we we hit record. But you also brought up a very important statistic. And I, I think that when we consider that uh, persons of color are a microcosm of this percentage, I, I would love for you to dive into this more because you're an example of what's possible. And the purpose of this conversation uh, is is to highlight what it is that you've done. You you mentioned that if once you hit six figures, you're actually in a very small percentage of the population once you generate that in your business and that it can create a seismic shift in the way you interact with those in your world. I, I would love for you to just expand on what we talked about before we hit record you know it's so interesting because almost everyone in my circle that I know is a six-figure business owner so I don't think I recognized that being in the 100k plus mark puts you in the top 10 percent of anything right but looking at stats 5%, and this is is all women, so this is not just women of color. If you extrapolate to women of color, these numbers are much lower. But 5% make between 100K and 249K. 2.5% make between 250K and 499K. 1.6% make between 500K and 999K. That's where I'm at. And 1.7% make more than a million a year. So you get into this very lonely space. If you've got 100 women entrepreneurs and you're doing a million plus, it's only 1.7 of you. So maybe two people out of that 100 can relate to what you're going through. And chances are that one other person is not a person that looks like you. So, you know, I found that the what I used to perceive is just a mindset thing. Oh, people are afraid of success. That doesn't make sense. What they're actually afraid of is isolation or being ostracized, being judged, being out of touch, having people decide how they are as a person. I made a post on Facebook that I would like to be a billionaire. 
and the backlash was swift and immediate. It was billionaires are horrible people. They trample on the poor to get ahead. They're stealing from you. They're lying to you. They're bad, bad people. And I talk about, you know, Warren Buffett, for instance. And I go, well, talk to me about Warren Buffett. He's in his 90s now. He bought Berkshire Hathaway in the 70s. He's owned it for decades. Um, Charlie Munger, his next in command, is 99. He's been the next in command for decades. Can you talk to me about how Warren Buffett trampled on the poor? Specifically, can you talk to me about the sweatshop he ran? Because to my knowledge, he's been investing in businesses and the stock market. So where is the trampling? And nobody can tell you that, right? They've already made a decision based on who you are. And I've literally met people who've told me, you either are a bad person, Natalie, or you will become a bad person if you stay on this road to wealth. And it's interesting because when I left anesthesia, I don't know if you knew this, I was a nurse anesthetist and I walked away. Yeah, I was in healthcare for 25 years. So very regimented, very structured, protocol driven environment. And I walked away in October 2019 to go full time into my hypnosis practice when it went virtual. And my last anesthesia shift was on January 2nd of 2020. And my peers looked at me um, because I did a per diem. So I walked away from my full-time job in October, 2019, and I'd picked up a shift somewhere else. It was local. And they looked at me and they said, don't forget us little people. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm not going to change who I am. Like, I'm not that type of person who would, you know, ostracize people just because I make more money. If you're anything like me from day to day, you don't know how focused and in the zone you're going to be. I mean, when I'm creating content or working with clients, I like being focused and grounded. And that's why I'm happy I discovered Magic Mind. After just a couple of days of drinking Magic Mind in the morning, I noticed I was able to stay on task and get things done without squirrel brain. The best part doesn't make me feel antsy and I sleep better because I'm not drinking caffeine all day. The really cool thing about Magic Mind is that it's all natural, made with matcha, nootropics, adaptogens, and it doesn't have any sugar. If you could use more focus and calm like I did, I highly recommend Magic Mind. You can get it at magicmind.com forward slash design destiny. And when you use code design destiny, get up to 56% off your subscription or 20% off of a one-time order in the next 10 days. If you already have a subscription, the code still works so that you can begin saving on your next shipment. Now, if you know me, you know I don't recommend anything I have not tried first and know that it works. Plus, they offer a 100% no questions asked money back guarantee. So there is nothing to lose. Head on over to magicmind.com forward slash design destiny and use code design destiny. I'd get the 30 pack if I were you because it's the best value. But we were talking about the, I think you called it the Ricky Lucy effect and how successful people typically tend to repel each other in several of the fears of success that come in there. What is something that you see often that tends to stop people in their tracks or it causes turmoil and it keeps them from moving forward? The number one thing that stops people from moving forward is fear of what other people think of them. 100%. 
100%. That is the root of 80% of the issues that I coach people through. What is my old boss going to think? What is my husband going to think? What is my mom going to think? What are my parents going to think? What are my grandparents going to think? What are my old colleagues going to think? What are my existing clients going to think if I pivot? What if my future clients going to think if I raise my prices? What if the people in Europe think I'm ableist? What if the what if, what if, what if? And, and they just convince themselves that it's safer to take no action instead of some action. Here's the bad news, listeners. You're going to piss somebody off no matter what you do. That is the bad, bad news. The great news is that you have permission to go do the thing. Just do the thing because you will, if I stay poor, I will get backlash. I will be a statistic. If I stay middle class, I will get backlash and I will still be a statistic. If I become wealthy, I will get backlash and I will still be a statistic. So I would much rather be living in my dream home, fully financially realized with a maxed out IRA and multiple rental properties and REITs and managed trusts and an estate plan and a will and hundreds of thousands of dollars of life insurance and a beach property than to be just as ostracized and broke and mad and blaming other people. Like accountability is an inside job. A lot of us are trying to externally hand off our accountability. I'm not really sure if I wanna make the money. I'm not really sure if I wanna make the sales. I think if I'm too successful, men won't want me. If I'm too successful, my friends will dump me. If I'm too successful, my mom will have her hand out for money. But like, what happens if you're not successful? Like then you've let yourself down. And I am very selfish. I am not going to let me down. You have to protect the asset. I am the asset. So if that means that some people have to shed or be pruned, then that's just what's going to happen. But I'm not going to play a small game with the only life I have that statistically I'm already a third of the way through. That right there. That right there. More than a third. I'm 35. I probably yeah. won't live to be 105. So yeah. more than a third. Yeah. Pe people are going to do what they're going to do. And in my mentorship, I tell people, you cannot make everybody happy. Everybody is not going to like you. There's 8 billion people on the planet and it's statistically impossible. Anyway, you just need to find a few thousand people over the course of your career who are so totally aligned with you and that you want to work with and what, what you have to offer in that transformation. How are you working with people currently? So big things have happened on the horizon. I'm so glad you asked me this today and not yesterday. <laughs> um, my primary offer now is consultancy. So I like to come in for the first 30 days. We do an audit. I like to audit your sales funnel, your sales page, your copy on your website, how you show up on social, um, primarily your Facebook, your Instagram, and your LinkedIn profiles. What happens when people opt into your freebie? Do you have an evergreen webinar? I'll watch the webinar. I want to immerse myself in all the ways that you pull people into your web. I want to know your, your, your top line funnel leads and how it trickles down. And then I give you a report and we can look through what I've uncovered. You know, was it basic stuff like links being broken and ambiguity in your email? Or is it major things like sales friction where it's hard for people to get on a sales call with you? Um, and if people want to continue on, which most do, then we can start an ongoing monthly retainer 
that will help us resolve those issues. If that's pulling in my SEO consultant or helping you rewrite your homepage, um, creating your sales scripts for your sales calls, training your sales team, fixing your messaging and giving you a brand voice guide. So it's customizable, but it's a six month relationship. I'm elated about it. I feel like it's a really good use of my time. Uh, on the coaching side, I do still have a VIP day for now for people who really do want to learn to improve their own messaging, who want to learn to be their own salesperson, and have already got a good feeling for the nuts and bolts going on in their business and really just need the space to reflect back where they see themselves going, and then me being able to transfer some actual sales skill onto them. Other than that, I've got a couple like backdoor, you know, like uh, Starbucks secret menu offers. Um, I do wealth consciousness coaching for Henry's high earner, not rich yet. And for what I call nouveau rich. So let's say you are in this 1.7% of the seven figure business and you're the first millionaire in your family. Now what? I met with women that didn't have financial advisors because they didn't think they qualified to have financial advisors. They're millionaires, but they didn't think they qualified. Um, people who don't have life insurance or estate plans because they don't know how to find people or who to trust. So I kind of walk in as a guide and help as a concierge to vet and find their financial dream team and also help them with the mindset stuff that comes up when you're recognizing I'm in a totally different socioeconomic class than what I was when I grew up. My goal is to avoid the lottery winner syndrome where they start to give it all away or ruin the money because they haven't formed a new identity around the money. So that's always been rewarding as well. I think it's important that you bring that up around the identity around the money because some people get money drunk. They haven't healed or worked through their, their money stories. You know, maybe they really, you know, had to get scrappy to create their life. And I, I've connected with people who were running seven and multi seven figure businesses and they had difficulty pulling together the funds to work with me. And that was before I was even at my current rates. And I remember that it blew me away because you said earlier that you were naive about people and in, in their money and um, entrepreneurs who are broke that they have these high multi six, multi seven figure businesses and they don't have disposable income because they mismanaged it. And so I love that on the back end, you do that financial consultancy or, or mentorship yep. there because we don't know what we don't know. That's the whole crux of it. And when you look at men who are wealthy, they can go to their grandparents. They have a family office. They have a family trust. They already have a network of relationships. They have a family attorney that's been vetted through the generations. And that attorney, grandfather started the practice and then he passed it to his son and he passed it to his grandson. So they, they have a web of trust. And Black people, Hispanic people specifically, are like eight times less likely than their white counterparts to have a relationship with financial advisors and legal team already set, which is not likely. So we're starting from scratch. We are literally the first generation with money in our family. And so it's very frightening to know what do I do first? What do I do next? And how do I not mess up this money? And if you have an identity that says, 
you're bad with money, which almost every person with color has had that narrative pushed down on them, whether it's true or not. If you've ever filed bankruptcy before, if you've ever been foreclosed on before, you've ever experienced hardship or been on food stamps or any number of, of financial trauma, having hundreds of thousands of dollars in your bank account is scary as hell. And your brain starts going, I don't, I shouldn't be responsible for this. I should not manage this. And then you start seeing bad business decisions happen, getting in masterminds that aren't aligned. They, they'd rather give the money away than be in possession of it because they're afraid of it, right? So like my goal is to get people kind of grounded. It's okay. Nothing bad's going to happen. It's just cash. It's benign. <laughs> it's, it's just a tool, you know, and also... You don't have to make a decision right now. I think people will have a big six-figure launch, seven-figure launch. They get on the phone with their accountant. If they have one, their accountant goes, hey, you really need to pay yourself more reasonable compensation, pay yourself a bonus. And they do it and they think, I have to do something with this money right now. Not really. You know, the good thing about most things with the IRS is a fiscal year. It's a calendar year. So if you get money in September and you don't want to invest it until December, that's fine. I mean, you need to hit the end of the year for your, in, in, but it's not urgent. And I've also found that there's a, there's a speed with which people who are not accustomed to that much money think I've got to move this money right now. I've got to do something with it today, this week, this month. I think it's good to give people some space and say, you know what, we're going to spend a year working together this quarter. We're going to work on your tax stuff. And this quarter, we're going to work on your retirement stuff. And this quarter, we're going to work on your estate planning stuff. And this quarter, we're going to work on your spending stuff. Like, it's all good. You can breathe. We have time. It's not a race. You know, just that is powerful. Because again, if you've never had it before, you don't know. There's no one in my family I can call and go, you know, what did you do when you had your first million dollar launch? Yeah, it's. When you don't know that it's okay to just let it sit there. To just let it sit there. Give yourself space and time. Uh, that it's not That it's not anything bad. Because when I went from being a nurse to being a nurse anesthetist and our economic situation changed, I doubled my income. I, that was something I went through back then. And my husband was like, just pull the cash out of the bank stack it in the safe and don't look at it. <laughs> so that was, that was a period of time that we went through where I just, and then it started to feel good. It's like, oh, it feels good to stack cash. And there's nothing wrong with stacking that cash. Does it make you evil or bad um, in any of those, any of those respects? What, what's something that you've always really wanted to talk about that you've wanted to share that no one has ever asked you on a podcast? What's that one thing you think is really important to get out there? That's a deep question. I was on 62 podcasts last year. Congratulations. A lot of questions. I'm like, now, you know, um, you know what? I think that one thing that I want to put out there is that accountability is an inside job. I think that we've done a really bad job in the online coaching and consulting business with accountability and the hand-holding and being taught that we have to serve newbies, that we have to pull everybody up with us, that we have to be super patient. If people pay late, give them grace. 
if people don't meet our criteria, serve them anyway, especially in the Black community. It's a very, don't leave people behind. I know that the Hispanic community gets a lot of that as well. If the people who you serve don't want to be served, go elsewhere. I understand you want to help them, but do they want the help? You're not obligated to turn your business into a defunct nonprofit because at some point in the past, you felt obligated to help this person because they're just like you. You were broke and they're broke now and you think y'all are the same. But even when I was poor, I had a wealth mindset. Even when I was poor, I knew I was destined for greater. Even when I was making $2.13 an hour at Cracker Barrel waiting tables in college, I knew I was not doing what God told me to do because I was still poor. And that's not what he wants for me. So every day I wake up not a multimillionaire, I know that there's bigger for me. So that I'm not the same as all the people who were waiting tables at Cracker Barrel. Some of those people are still waiting tables at Cracker Barrel. I quit in 2008. I went there last weekend and some of the people I was waiting tables with in 2008 are still there. So just because we were in the same arena doesn't mean that we were the same person. And often I'll see women specifically get guided into this help everyone debacle and they, they limit their services, they lower their prices and they work with a caliber of people who don't challenge them, who don't show up for themselves who are not self-led, sometimes are not even mentally competent right now. Like they're going through some serious un unlearning and relearning and, and really need to be under medical care. But we're telling these women, you must serve this group of persons. So the, the number one thing that I want to shout from the rooftops, help people who want to be served. Do things at your best and highest use. You got a master's degree. You've got a PhD. Why are you helping people who you could have helped when you were in high school with the information that you knew in your brain at 17? You know, I want to take on a challenge. I want to help people who are serving really big missions and it takes money and it takes gusto and it takes confidence. I don't want people borrowing my confidence anymore. I don't want people who are like, Natalie, I'm hiring you because I think you can save my business. I think you can fix my business. I think they've got one foot in and one foot out. And, and that rhetoric has never sat well with me. It always happens. You know, I'm going to be closing down my group coaching program. And um, last night, nobody showed up to this call. And I'm saying this publicly for a reason, because a lot of people would hide this kind of thing and say, well, don't say that, Natalie. But if the people in it have moved on, i.e. they don't see the need, the program was too long, the program was a year, they've joined other coaching programs, they've gotten everything they needed and don't need it anymore, then why would I drag them to success? Old Natalie would send out an email. We miss you. Hey, we missed you on the call last night. The call was at this time and we were there and you weren't. And here's the form if you have feedback and how can we assist you? And we want to help you. And we're so desperate to help you. Now I'm like, there was a shared calendar. There's a circle community. We sent out reminders. They got emails. They chose not to show up. And that's okay. They've made their choice. What do I want my choice to be now? Right? Instead of this, I'm obligated to give people this value that they pay. They know they paid for it. They're adults. They know that they are paying for the service. Their credit cards are being charged. They are aware of the service. But what am I going to do instead? And I had to say, you know what, Natalie? You've outgrown this particular era. 
you have outgrown the space of convincing people that sales makes money. That is a standard. I've been preaching that 365 days a year for 982 consecutive days. I'm done. Either you want to make the money, you want to work with me, and you're going to pay me, or you don't meet that criteria and you can get the most out of my free content, which frankly could get anybody to a six-figure business if they implemented it. And, and accept that I'm already doing a whole lot and I'm moving into a new phase in my life. So I think it's really powerful and important for us to remember, we chose our business. If you hate your business, it's your doing. So do something else. And I don't think anybody ever talks to me about how hard it is to run group coaching programs or how difficult it is to let people sink or swim because we are not accustomed as women to allowing people to sink. We don't let our children sink. We don't let our husbands sink. We don't let our boyfriends sink. We don't let our friends sink. We don't let our churches sink. We are always trying to race to the rescue and putting that Wonder Woman cape down and saying, this person had just as much availability, accessibility, and authority to show up and take a different action as I did, and they chose not to, and that's okay. That has been the eureka of my lifetime, and I'm just feeling really free and good about it. Yeah. And we were talking about coaching earlier and how sometimes what people think is coaching isn't even coaching. They're looking for a teacher or they're looking for an advisor and, and not actually, they're, they're not wanting to be coached. And I agree with you in 2019, a, a couple of things happened before I went full time. I reached this point where I had to realize that I could not take responsibility for my clients transformation and I could not take on their situation or emotions I had to set myself apart and compassionate be like here this is where I can help you to go but even doing hypnosis and subconscious work even though it's a lot of done with you I can't completely do it for you because I'm only seeing you 90 minutes out of one week and you've got you know over 100 hours the rest of the week that you're doing other things, right? And I can't control for all of those other hours. If this episode is resonating with you, then I want you to know that if you're recognizing issues you've dealt with before, it's not your fault. As entrepreneurs, well, heck, as any human being, we have all had experiences in our lives that have created imprints in our subconscious mind that have formed beliefs, things that we should avoid, right? Uh, things that we have to do to be accepted or not be seen as different because that's uncomfortable to the brain, right? And then we have the stories that we carry, the things that we picked up from our parents and society around us around what it means to be successful and to be an entrepreneur and to have money. And if you're an entrepreneur and you're sitting at low multi six figures, and you want to go to seven figures, and in your mind, you're questioning whether or not you're ready for it, right? Then I want you to join me for the Thrive to Seven Figures workshop. It's November 6th through the 9th. We're going to meet every day at 11 a.m. on Zoom. It's also going to be live streamed into a Facebook group where you will have exclusive access to the replays in that group for life. And I'm going to systematically take you through the different areas where blind spots can show up and slow you down so you can be proactive 
and avoid those. So the link is going to be in the show notes. It's pennychason.com forward slash seven fig. That's the number seven F-I-G. Join me. It's $27. There's going to be a little bit of hypnosis every day. I promise you, you're going to get so much value out of this. You're probably going to say what one of my past participants has said and like, are you sure you charge the right amount of money for this workshop? So be sure to go and to sign up, pennychason.com forward slash seven fig. Let's dive back in. And you mentioned that that's why you moved to consultancy. And you just said that, right? You're not in the business anymore of convincing people that sales will make them money. You're connecting with those people that already know sales will make me money. Now, how do I put rocket fuel under this? And I like exactly that. people who are already making money. And, you know, I won't say that higher level persons don't want coaching. I'm not going to make that assertion because I can't speak for everybody that's making money. But I can tell you right now that for me, I'm more interested in having an advisor. I'm more interested in hiring strategists. Um, I consider myself to be a consultant and a tactician. I'm excellent at breaking down the steps that it takes to deploy the strategy. And most people I'm learning are not. That's something I've always taken for granted. So if you want to get to the top of Mount Everest without dying, you definitely need a strategy, okay? But the strategy has to be broken down into the steps you're going to take. How are you going to pack your bag? How long are you going to walk each day? What direction are you going to take? Are you going to go with a Sherpa? Pretty sure they make you do that now, et cetera. What are the tactics that make the strategy work? Because the strategy could just be, oh yeah, take a direct route going north and don't walk more than eight hours a day and make sure you stay well hydrated. But the tactics are going to say at 6 a.m. we wake up, at 6.30 we depart, at 7 a.m. we drink one liter of water, at 8 a.m. we eat rations. That's what's actually going to keep you alive and keep you on the strategy. Most people struggle with the tactics. The how. So the, the, the how. They know the what, but the exact how is where it all falls down. And coaching doesn't give you the how. It gives you more of the why. <laughs> so you've got a what. What do you want? $100,000 a month. Great. Let's talk through the why. <laughs> Let's talk through the, 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 the you know, the, the mission. And somehow we'll come out, but it's coming from you and your lived experience. Whereas if you just hire a consultant, they can make a diagnosis and they can give you a step-by-step -step how do this and then do this and then do this and then do this. This is my packet of recommendations. So I found that more persons who are doing mid six figures, even if they say they are looking for a coach are actually looking to for consultant. They are looking for someone to assess what's going well in their business so that they can ignite what's going great and diminish what's not going so great. They're not actually looking for someone to hold space ask them thought-provoking questions, help them kind of suss out their feelings, reshape their identity. Not usually. So I think it's a better fit overall. I'm finding that people who come to me for coaching are actually looking for mentorship. You did something. Tell me how you did it. Walk me through your exact paths because I'm trying to come behind you on the same path. That's also not coaching. So I think the biggest issue is that people just by and large have no clue what that word means, 
which is bad because the number one cause of chargeback refund friction, unhappiness is unmet and unspoken expectations. So if your client has an expectation of what coaching is and you have an actual definition of what coaching is and those two things do not align, you're going to have issues. And I'd rather have an issue-free business from now on, you know? Yeah, I words, words matter. Uh, they're definitely important. How can people connect with you? If someone wanted to reach out to you and have you come in and do an audit on their business or find out about your Starbucks menu? Where do they find you? <laughs> they can go to unapologeticwealth.com. That is my website. Um, that is the best place to find me. I am also on Facebook and on Instagram. My IG is a placeholder. I'll get Penny to put in the show notes how you can follow me on Facebook because that's where the shenanigans are. Um, I post seven to 10 times a day in a system I call scattered omnipresence. Okay. So I'm always around. Ha ha. And um, giving, in my opinion, really helpful business advice. Not just business advice. You give those, pardon my French, swift kicks in the ass. Because I've definitely sometimes seen a post and I'm like, Natalie, you're looking over my shoulder. <laughs> what are you doing, girl? <laughs> I'm good like that. Yeah, yeah. I know what's going on in the therapy calls. I know, I know, I know what you got. I know what people have going on in their businesses because I, I'm around. I think there's, there's a lot of power in being familiar with your person, and yes. a lot of us seem like there's a there's a big movement now that's like how unattached from my clients can I be? How distant can I be and still make money? And I I pride myself in being really active and really present with my clientele and yeah. my potential future clientele. Yeah. I definitely don't get into my client's emotions, but as you say, at the same time, I mean, we're, we're there to be available to them to understand their situation so that when they have a question, we're in touch with where they are and where they, where they want to go. Well, I want to thank you for being here today, Natalie. I've enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure that it will be enlightening for a lot of people and to just applaud you on your, on your success, because it is mm. a very small percentage. Um, and I, I have met with situations where people have talked down to me because I'm a woman. How could I possibly know anything about business? And I'm sure that the stories I have don't hold a candle to the things that you have decided you were not going to allow to define you or your success. Yeah, you know what? Um, being naive is is beneficial. I tell people that all the time, and they're like, "Natalie, you're not naive." I am. I grew up sheltered. I'm very naive, but it's beneficial because I didn't know what to be afraid of when I started my business. I didn't know it was going to be hard. I didn't know you weren't supposed to make six figures your first year. I made six figures my first year in business because I didn't know you weren't supposed to. People go, "Oh, you know, it's going to take you five to seven years to be profitable." Oh, well, I didn't know that, so I was profitable my first year. Like I didn't have the fears built up that a lot of people have because I didn't have the facts that a lot of people have either. So I kind of went into it very green and optimistic, whereas I think a lot of people start business kind of jaded and cynical and what, what they call realistic. I'm being realistic. Realistically, I'm not going to make that much money doing that. And I just, 
completely skipped that phase, which is a blessing. The best thing I could tell people is that statistics are retroactive. They are in the past. So they are not indicative of what you can do in the future. They are just a measurement of what has already happened in the past. So every day that you're alive, you have an opportunity to move the statistics in a different direction by being a different type of person. If you don't like the statistic that women in business don't make any money, start making more money. That's yes. how you change that statistic. You don't change it by lamenting over it and discounting your prices and serving people with no money. That's not how you change the statistics. So figure out what you need to throw rocks at and then put your armor on and get to battle. Yeah. I remember my very first coach, I did an intensive day with her because my business just blew up overnight. And a, she has her uh, degree in business psychology. And she told me, she said, do you do realize you had three years of business growth in 90 days? I had a rainmaker event in my business. And she said, you're in the top five, 5%. And she said, 95% of women never make it to where you are. And that blew me away because like you, I was ignorant. I had had no clue, but having a realistic perspective on your business, that's a glass ceiling all by itself. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, I just, I, now that I've hit it, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about, um, congrats on your Rainmaker event. I'm looking forward to having another live event and having it be, a big production, but um, I'm always honored to be around people who are excellent, such as yourself. So I appreciate you letting me be here today and talk to your people. Um, and hopefully we were able to encourage them to do more of what they know they're called to do. So I feel like we all know what we're supposed to do, but our intuition kind of gets minimized and whacked down by mm -hmm. society. So coming back into your true self is always what's yes. going to make things easiest for you. And my true self is bossy. I like to tell people what to do. So I'm glad that I'm coming back into my truth. Yeah. Coming into your truth. And this is where we're going to wrap it up. If you don't recall hearing Natalie saying this earlier, I really want you to go back and listen to this because we just blew right past it. But she was in a moment in her life where she recognized that she was not doing what God told her to do. And when we line up with that, doors open for us. When we deny that and give in to everything else in the world that's calling our attention instead of ourselves, um, it limits that possibility. So if you want that limitless possibility in your life, tune in to what really feels true to you and follow that. Once again, thank you, Natalie. Everyone, I will meet you back here next week. Be sure to subscribe, share, uh, catch up with Natalie on Facebook, and I will catch you next week. I hope you can feel my appreciation and gratitude for you, my listener. I would love to connect with you outside of the podcast platform. There are a few ways that you can do that. If you're not already on my email list, you can go to pennychason.com forward slash myth and download the Big Mindset Myth PDF. Or you can go to Instagram and follow me at 
jpenny.chason. You can connect with me there. I would love to see you there. And of course, you could always head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a positive review of this episode. I appreciate you and I will see you back here next week.